The Bible reveals that there were at least two secret believers in Jesus who served on the Sanhedrin, which was the highest governing body of the Jewish people. Those two men were Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Have you ever thought how they might have become believers? Have you ever considered how dangerous it must have been for them to show any sympathy toward Jesus? And have you ever thought about what might have persuaded them to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah? Stay tuned for a fascinating interview with the authors of a remarkable new book that deals with these two Jewish leaders and the questions I have just raised about them. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have in the studio with me today two men who are authors of an outstanding new novel about the last days of Jesus leading up to His crucifixion, and the roles of two Jewish leaders who were secret believers in Jesus as the Messiah promised by God. Sitting next to me here is my dear friend Bill Perkins. Bill is the founder of a ministry called Compass International, which is located in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It is the ministry that sponsors the great Stealing the Mind conferences that focus on defending the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, Bill. We're glad to have you. Thanks so much for being here. Okay. And sitting next to Bill is another person that is very important to this book. He is the co-author Buck Storm. Buck is also from Coeur d'Alene area. He's a very gifted poet, songwriter, musician, novelist. <laughs> Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, Buck. We're glad to have you. Thank you, David. Really nice to I be here. I tell you, you guys have traveled a long, long way to get here. It's like a four-hour airplane uh, <laughs> ride. But we really appreciate you coming and sharing about this tremendous new book. And let's just start off by saying, where did this book come from and how did you all end up collaborating? God has sort of given me an idea for a story. Uh, and I've been looking at it and reading about it, making notes about it for three or four years and just rattling around. And, and you know how those things, you, you keep forgetting about it and then God brings it back to your mind. Yeah. And, you, and, and our purpose of our ministry is to teach the Bible is accurate and to teach the importance of Bible prophecy. So the more I thought about this idea of these two characters and these two guys, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, and what it would have been like for them to see Jesus bursting on the scene with all these miracles. and and how to deal with him, um, I thought this, this should be a story for him. This should be good. And by the grace of God, I, my friend Buck is a budding novelist. Uh, I didn't quite know how much he was budding at the time. <laughs> but I would say he's already flowered. <laughs> yeah, he's, so I, I said, Buck, we look at this. This is something we could do. And uh, he looked at it and he prayed about it and he said, yes, let's do it. You know what this reminds me of is, is our former really great friend Tim LaHaye who's gone on to be with the Lord who had written many, many books. But when it came to the concept of, of writing the Left Behind series, he knew he was not a novelist. I mean, you can write good books about Bible prophecy, but you're, it's another thing to be a novelist. Right. And he had a good enough good sense to go to a novelist and say, here's my idea, let's work it out. So you had the idea and you went to Buck to work it out in terms of a no novel format. No, writing a novel, um, to me, I think it's a gift. Oh, you yeah. have to organize your thoughts in a certain way. And, and you and I write books, yeah. but we wouldn't necessarily be good novelists. And right. 
he has that gift, and, and people that read the book, well, you know, he sucks you in immediately, and, and you can't put it down. Well, tell us about your background, Buck. Well, I've been a, a musician and a songwriter for a lot of years, um, but as far as writing novels, writing, writing goes, you know, I grew up reading constantly. You know, I mean, my, my childhood was spent with, uh, you know, kind of under the covers with a, with a flashlight reading Louis L'Amour novels and Salinger and Hemingway. And so I, I always, always, I've always wanted to write novels. So several years ago, I just started. I thought it's like writing a long, a long song, right? And uh, I quickly found out that there's a lot more craft <laughs> to it than that. Song. Yeah. How hard could it be? Well, I'll tell but, you what, uh, when I was reading this and, and I, I read a pre-publication edition of it that was sent to me by, on a PDF format, uh, I could see all through the book uh, that uh, you were a songwriter and that you were a poet because mm. of the way you express things. That it's just it's just beautiful writing. No, Absolutely beautiful writing all the way through. Thank you, you picked a wonderful writer. God really blessed you. I think God picked him, but yeah. <laughs> was, okay, was... the title of the book is The List, and the subtitle here says, An Ancient Riddle, Will the Answer Be a Blessing or a Curse? What in the world does the title of the book refer to? Well, the, the idea is that these two guys are watching uh, Jesus come onto the scene and they don't know what to think or do. And they're rich guys. They're in the Sanhedrin. They're powerful men. And what, they, uh, what one of them does is he has all these Torah scrolls and he starts searching through his scrolls. That's Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus. And he's finding these prophecies that Jesus is actually fulfilling and it, it, it interests him and he can't shake that fact. And in fact, you know, so in he the starts Bible, making a list of prophecies. He does. And remember, early in, the, in John, Nicodemus goes to Jesus by night. And that scene is in the book. And, and so he's trying to figure this out. And, and he keeps finding more prophecies. And the list gets longer and longer. And, and, and he has a friend that, that's an odd friendship because Nicodemus is a, a Pharisee. And Joseph of Arimathea is a Sadducee. He's a rich guy. And he yeah, those two guys of, are not even supposed to speak to each this, other. It's a lot of, that's right. <laughs> And so they have this odd relationship. And then and Buck takes all of this from there, and I'll let you elaborate on it from, from this point. But. Well, yeah, so, so I like to think of it, I, I love the tension between having a Pharisee and a, I think it's oh, like, it's, it's, a like tension, all right. it's like if Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton came together and, <laughs> and found unity in Christ, you know, somehow. But uh, and it's interesting, in, in the biblical account, you have these two men at the end are the ones that are burying the body. You know, that they're, they're, going, they're coming together to bury the body. So somewhere between Nicodemus's visit to Jesus at night, which happens very early uh, in the gospel accounts, and the, the two men burying the body, there's a tremendous story that has to happen in there. And uh, that's what really attracted me to this idea of writing this book, that what a, what a great um, journey to, to step, step back and to take that, take that walk through that, uh, those well, three years. One of the things that fascinated me about the book, uh, Buck, is that not only do you develop the stories of these two men who should have been antagonists and who are kind of leery of each other, but they develop this friendship and this common interest, but you also develop a story about their wives mm -hmm. and their relationship, and it's a wonderful story. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it was uh, Bill and I would meet just about once a week or maybe every other week and have lunch and just kind of bad ideas around as I was writing the book. And he, he made a comment one time about uh, Jesus really being a radical in in uh, in that in the sense that his followers weren't all just men, you know, which yeah. was would have oh, been yes. the culture time. But he had he had women following him who were also helping finance his ministry. They were helping finance, and uh, and I thought that's a fascinating 
aspect to the ministry of Christ that was that really set him apart from a lot of the the teachers and rabbis at the time that that you know he he was he accepted all comers and i i really thought you have these two men and what about the women behind the scenes and, and so and really as you presented in the book it seems that joseph of arimathea is has more difficulty coming to the conclusion this is the messiah than nicodemus and of course one of the reasons is because he has a lot to lose if he <laughs> comes out as a supporter of jesus i mean he'll lose his whole business and everything but it's interesting that it seems in the story that his wife comes to the conclusion that he's the messiah before joseph of arimathea does well isn't that the way it often works <laughs> Yes, wives are often much more discerning. Exactly, than we are. I can I can testify sure. to that. Well, okay, so it's it's called a list, and they're compiling this list, and they're amazed at how it seems to be lining up with the life of Jesus. Bill, what are some of the items on the list? Well, the, it goes through. There's there's so many prophecies. In fact, in the back of the book, we actually put a yes, list. Yes, you have an actual list of the uh, list of, of, of the list. <laughs> That's right. That, that Nicodemus was compiling, but. Um, all through the book, the people in the book uh, will contradict the fact that they could be, that Jesus could be the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Like they would say, well, he, he's supposed to be from David, from Bethlehem, and yet he's from Nazareth. Yeah. So you, you read this, but you, in your mind, you know, well, he was from Bethlehem, but they didn't know that That's right. you know, because it was strange. So, so each of these um, prophecies that, that he keeps running across and, and analyzing them, and, and he just can't get over the fact of how specific they are and how accurate they are and how Jesus is 100% lining up with them. Yeah, and, and uh, this is one of the things I love about this book, you know, being a teacher of Bible prophecy. The fact that when you get through reading this book, you have learned a lot about Bible prophecy. Yeah, that's true. And about the first coming prophecies and how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies and how they would, like the one you mentioned about Bethlehem, they said, well, he can't be the Messiah because he came from Nazareth. And then they discover, well, no, he was actually born in Bethlehem. And they begin to discover, make all these discoveries. And it's really interesting how they finally comes, seems to all come together. It does. It's fascinating. <laughs> well, another thing I noticed in the book is that a lot of, uh, there's a lot of scripture in the dialogue between people in the book. And so you're really dealing, you know, if an unbeliever is reading this, and I can understand an unbeliever being really interested in this story because it grabs you immediately. By the time they finish, they've read a lot of scripture. Well, and, and scripture thing, is supernatural. It is. And, and I didn't want to take, I told Buck and I had this conversation early on. I said, Buck, whenever Jesus speaks, we don't want to put words in his mouth. So we're going to just stick with what we've got in the Bible, come straight from the Bible. And, and he said, that's kind of hard to write that way, you know, and it's kind of structured, you know. And I said, well, I think that's the safest way, and I think God would honor that. Yeah. I don't think that we should say that Jesus said this when we don't know that he said that, you know. And he, he did an incredible job of weaving what Jesus says in those scenes into the, the story. I also noticed something uh, in the novel, Buck, that uh, was very unusual. Usually in novels they describe in detail uh, the individuals that are involved, mm -hmm. but you never describe a physical, descri a true, you know, detailed physical description of Jesus in here. Yeah, the, for me there are some things you you could assume, you know, and and so you know that he'd been outdoors a lot, that he was, you know, he he'd walked a lot, you know, there were some things that you kind of assume. That's but, right. Yeah, but but uh, and uh, and I think maybe early on I had, I had gone into a little more description, and Bill and Bill got me in a headlock and said, "No, nah, we're not going to do that." Well, it's interesting. So, the Bible never describes himself. Right. That's right. Except in the Book of Isaiah. 
where it says he will have nothing about him that, that will naturally attract people. Not yeah. a good looking uh, guy. He's not going to look like Kevin Costner, which I, so many drawings and paintings of Jesus, he looks like a Hollywood movie star. Yeah. And it says it's not the way it's going to be. People are going to be attracted to him by what he has to say. Yeah, so many, so many movies and depictions of Christ. You have this kind of cool surfer, mellow <laughs> Jesus, you know. And uh, so we didn't want it to be this, the, you know. Uh, I don't want to pull from all those references, you know. But actually, from like you said, he was, he was not a man that we would be attracted to, and you know, this, these kind of. Yeah, I had a wonderful artist who sent me a picture one time that she had just painted of Jesus, and she said, "What, I, what do you think of it?" And, and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I said, you know, you're a great artist, but this looks exactly like Kevin Costner. And I said, you know, Jesus was not blonde headed and he was not super good looking. I, he was probably uh, a very plain looking Jewish man. Uh, and Isaiah says that. Nothing about his countenance is going to draw people to him. It's what he has to say and right. what he stands for and all. So I, I appreciate the fact that you all remain faithful to the scriptures in this. And I appreciate the fact that when a person gets through reading this, they're going to know a lot more about the scriptures than they knew beforehand. And prophecy. Yeah, and Bible <laughs> prophecy. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, in just a moment, we're going to come back and I'm going to have some further questions for these two guys. Back to Christ in Prophecy and my interview with Bill Perkins and Buck Storm, the authors of a great new novel about the crucifixion of Jesus and the power of Bible prophecy as a tool of evangelism. Well, fellas, uh, I wanted to mention that this book is full of wonderful uh, maps. I love maps. And this really all the way through it, you have maps of, of Israel and the cities that are mentioned in the book. You also have detailed maps of the Temple Mound and so forth, and very, very well done. And one of the things about the book that uh, when I got drawn into it was that I felt like I was walking the streets of Jerusalem. As I went up in the upper city and go down to the lower city, and and, and the difference between the two, the rich where the rich lived and where the hoi polloi lived, and the bars and the prostitutes and all that in that area, uh, it, it really drew me into it. And I wondered, I would think that writing this book, the most difficult thing would be trying to be accurate about the culture of that time and the customs of that time. How did you deal with that? Well, a lot of research, a lot of talking to uh, smart people. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was one of the things when I, as I wrote this book that was really a joy about writing it was, you know, as a writer, uh, I, at least I do, I tend to sort of step into scenes. And the way I, I think about it is I sort of describe the movie that's going on in my head. And uh, I was, I've been to Israel several times. And to get into the, the, uh, the backdrop of this book was pretty astounding to me what Jerusalem was at the time, the grandeur, the, the, the white stone, the fountains, the, the wealth, the, uh, the architecture, Herod the Great, you know, uh, these things that uh, were going on in, the, in the, the, the violence, you know, all, you know, the Romans, all these. It was a great backdrop to, to paint. And, uh, and so, uh, basically, it was just, you, you, sort of, you sort of just Walk through the streets in your mind and describe what you see, and it was that was the best you know what part. This of reminds it. me. It reminds me of back in the fifties and, and sixties when movie companies would go to Jerusalem to shoot movies that were going to use Jerusalem as a back. They would have to pay everyone to take down their television antennas. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they'd pay them like twenty-five, thirty dollars to take down their TV antennas, and this got to be so common that. Uh, 
people were putting antennas up that didn't even have a television set. <laughs> right. So they got paid to take their antennas. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I, you, you did a great job of, of capturing the culture oh, and you. the feeling of the time. Well, uh, let me ask you this. You present Joseph of Arimathea as a Sadducee and Nicodemus as a, uh, as a, as a Pharisee. Uh, what is the basis for that? Well, we know Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Right. Uh, we see that in Scripture. Uh, and we also know that the Sadducees were um, on the opposite side of the Pharisees. Who The Pharisees would, would kind of uh, pretend poverty in a lot of ways. Uh, the Pharisees, or the Sadducees, though, were very wealthy. You know, we, see, we know historically the Sadducees were a wealthy people with, with uh, uh, a lot of political clout in the upper class, uh, as well as with, right. e with the ruling govern government at the time. And so we also know through Scripture that Joseph was a wealthy man. Yeah. And we also see at the, at, the end of the, at the end of the Gospels, we see him walking right into Pilate and asking for the body. So he had some, he he had had some cloud political there. Political power. So yeah, so that was, that was the basis for uh, assuming that he was a Sadducee. Well, it's a logical assum yeah. assumption. And uh, it certainly sets up a, a, a good uh, story between two people who should be very strong adversaries. Yeah, you have automatic conflict, which is fun. <laughs> Always fun in a novel. But, Still on steel. but develop yeah. a friendship. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Not only between them, but their wives. Okay, uh, one of my favorite writers is Victor Hugo. Uh, he has it, uh, you know, wrote Les Miserables, and he had this technique of introducing all these characters, and you're wondering, what do they have to do with each other? Mm -hmm. And as the story develops, they, their lives start converging in, in most unusual ways. And you use that technique in here. You have a, a, a segment where Joseph of Arimathea is, is kidnapped. Uh, while he's out riding a horse at night, and he's held for ransom. And I kept thinking, what does this have to do with the story? I don't understand what this has to do with it. And then all of a sudden, without revealing, without revealing this, because this is the biggest surprise in the book to me, all this comes together at the end. And wow, it was really something. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, Victor Hugo, that's a, that's a great reference. But you know, uh, when you write a, a book, especially a book on a, this scale, you've got a lot of characters, and, and, and every character has to have a journey. You know, and if, if you're just following one character, it can be very linear. But uh, I love to have, a, a, I love stories like Les Miserables, or, you know, these stories where, where, where things do come together in the end. So, uh, well, yeah. you do, and it's a big surprise. Oh, good. <laughs> I think people. Let's keep it that way. Uh, let's yeah. keep it that way. Yeah, we're going to keep it that way. But I'm telling you the truth. When I got there, there, and I thought, "Wow, now I see where it all came from." <laughs> yeah. So I like to pretend that I plan all that out, but uh, a lot of times I'm just saying, "I wonder where this is going to go." I don't know. Let's find out. You know. Oh man. True confessions. Well, yeah. of course. Again, one of the stories I found in here that was so powerful was the story between. Uh, the two wives and their friendship, and where it comes to a point where they have to they have to part from each other because of political pressures and all, but they mm -hmm. still love each other and want to come back together. And it was written with great sensitivity, great mm -hmm. sensitivity. I really, really love that. You know, the book takes us up to the crucifixion, uh, and then it says to be continued. What does that mean? Means there's going to be more books. Yeah. <laughs> has the has the second one is, is it in process? It is in process. Okay, so yeah. the sequel is already in process. Mm -hmm. Do you have a name for it? The light. The light. Yes. Okay. I assume it's going to pick up with the crucifixion, and move on maybe through the establishment of the church or whatever. That's the plan. That's it. I can hardly wait. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, when I talk about 
a great book. This is really a great book and it just is so beautifully put together and it is so biblical and it will teach you so much about Bible prophecy. In fact, in the back of the book there is an appendix which you very seldom find in a novel. But there's a couple of appendices. The first one has to do with a list of 25 Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah. There's really more than that. But these are 25 of the most important of those prophecies. And you know one that probably just about everyone knows is the prophecy that uh, Jesus would be born in the town of Bethlehem. That was a prophecy by Micah. Uh, 500 years before Jesus was born. He prophesied. But it says more than that. It says He's going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And the thing about that is that at the time He wrote there were two Bethlehems in Israel. There was one up near the Sea of Galilee and one south of Jerusalem. So, He doesn't just say Bethlehem. He said Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which nails it as the one south of Jerusalem. That's how precise Bible prophecy is. And people don't often realize it's that precise. You know, they think Bible prophecy is sort of kind of like uh, Nostradamus, uh, googly gop things that don't really mean much that you could put anything into them. But that's not the case with Bible prophecy. So, again, the point is that you're going to learn some things about Bible prophecy in reading this book. And then you have a second appendix. The first one has to do with 25 crucial prophecies that were on the list of these men. The second one is biblical verses referring to Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. So, you actually give them the specific verses that refer to these particular men. So, that also is uh, valuable. Uh, all through the book Jesus is interacting yes. in different places. And I've had many people tell me that have read the manuscript that they would read the scene and then they had to get their Bible out and say, did Jesus really say it like that? <laughs> and sure enough it's there, but it's it's done with I did that a couple of times myself. See there? See there? <laughs> I sure did. I didn't remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that was very good. In other words, it drove me into the Scriptures mm -hmm. and, that, and that's good. Well, what else would you like for people to know about this book? Uh, either you, Buck, or Bill, what would you like for people to know about it? Well, I think it's a book of a lot of layers. You know, that's one thing that you, that's good. you, you sort of write, when, you know, uh, when I approach a book, you, you sort of write with fear and trembling, you know, and, and hope that God's going to take something and use it. And then you watch it uh, unfold. And what I've, what I've enjoyed about this is it's not just a book of Bible prophecy. It's also a book of, of the story of Christ is a story of love and a story of grace and a story of the interaction with man. And so, uh, it, to me that all comes together at a time in our world more than ever where, where people need to see uh, love and, and, and to, to find unity in the only thing that will truly bring unity, that's Jesus. And so that's what I hope for this book, you know, that the return, that the return would be spiritual. Yeah, and you, and you emphasize that uh, in your writing, uh, not only in this book but another book of yours that I've read, uh, where you talk about how Jesus interacts with people and His interactions are always the least thing that people expect. They, yeah. they expect something else, but He always catches them, seems off guard yeah. in the way He responds to people. Yeah, He doesn't seem to get my emails at all, you know. <laughs> yeah. He, he, I, I, I tell them how to do things all the time and it never seems to be the way. Well, and also we tend to respond to people with judgment, condemnation uh, and so forth and he, he doesn't do that. No. He, he responds to what they're thinking. We respond to what someone's saying because we know what they're thinking. But yes. Jesus knows what they're thinking. Yeah, that's a good so point. He can, he can go on down. He doesn't have to go through the politeness of 
interaction just jumped to the end. So you say this book has been bouncing around in your head for two years or more? Three or four years. Yeah. I remember Tim LaHaye saying that he got the idea for the back, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, Left Behind, the Left Behind series when he was on an airplane, and he saw the uh, pilot, uh, or the co-pilot, I believe, was came out of the cockpit and started flirting with one of the stewardesses, <laughs> and uh, he had a wedding ring on, and Tim's watching this going on, and he's thinking, you know, hmm, what if this rapture suddenly occurred and we're all taken out of here and that airplane pilots left by himself. And that's where he got the idea and he began to work on it for probably in his head for three or four years before wow. he began to move huh. on it. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you another story about him that, that's wonderful. Uh, I know you'll love this and that is that uh, when he first started out he was writing books. He, was, he would make his sermons into books and they would run them off on a mimeograph machine. And then they would put all the pages in boxes all around the garage. And then he and his wife would go and they would put these mimeograph pages together and staple them and then go and do another chapter and staple them. And that's how they sold their books at, at when he went to speak. Mimeograph pages. I've actually seen one of those. Wow. And he said one day they were doing that and his son came home and pressed the remote and the garage door came open, the wind came oh, in no. and said pages went everywhere. And they spent the rest of the afternoon trying to, that night she took him to the airport and as she let him out she said, before I let you out let's just pray. He said, pray about what? She said, let's pray that one day you will find a publisher. <laughs> well boy, God answered that prayer. Yes, and He yes. has answered a prayer here with this tremendous book. I praise God for it and I endorse it without any reservation whatsoever. Thanks it is so a much. great book. Okay. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and my interview with Bill Perkins and Buck Storm, the authors of a great new historical novel about the crucifixion of Jesus and the power of Bible prophecy as a tool of evangelism. Fellas, I want to thank you for being our special guest today. You've been a real blessing to us. Uh, may the Lord continue to anoint your efforts to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ through the writing of historical novels. You've really done a great job. Bill, how about telling our viewers how they can get in touch with you and your ministry? It's pretty simple, compass.org, C-O-M-P-A-S-S dot O-R-G. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. A copy of The List can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. If you call, please do so Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. This book is a fascinating and inspirational historical novel about the last weeks of the life of Jesus. It focuses on the lives of two Jewish religious leaders named Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. It chronicles their spiritual struggle to come to terms with the claims of Jesus to be the Messiah of the Jewish people. The book is biblically accurate. The story is fascinating. The writing is superb. The affirmation of the importance of Bible prophecy is gratifying. And the overall impact is highly inspirational. As you read it, you will feel like you are personally involved in the story witnessing the events. Once again, the book can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. If you call, please do so Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. 
We also want to invite you to attend our annual Bible conference, which is scheduled to be held in the Dallas, Texas area this year on Friday evening and all day Saturday, July 12th and 13th. The conference theme is Contending for the Faith and will feature an outstanding lineup of speakers who will be defending the fundamentals of the Christian faith. The conference will also feature the music of the wonderful Messianic musician Marty Getz. The conference is free of charge, but you must register, and you can do so on our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 